So August 5th, 1986, I know that that, I don't even have to say anymore, but you, that, that day has quite a bit of significance to you, John. What happened on that day? It was August the 5th, 1986 at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I can still stand within the foot, close to a gate, entrance gate, as to where I stood and talking to a fellow by the name of Brian Marsh. Brian Marsh was a grade inspector, an inspector for the grading organization mm -hmm. that we use, the Council of Forest Industry, mm -hmm. Northern Sector, and did the grading and quality control inside our plant of the lumber graders that we employ to make sure that we, if we stamp our products mm -hmm. with a grade stamp that tells how, how strength, the strength of the pieces that we manufacture, a great stamp goes on it, put on by us, and then inspected. Not the individual, but they do inspections to make sure we maintain the quality standards, which is uh, obviously very important. And, uh, you know, so they, I knew him well because I also was involved in the Council of Forest Industry, actually on their board and uh, in the northern sector. And I was uh, a deputy chair of the Quality Control Committee of uh, the northern sector of Kofi and mm -hmm. uh, you know so so I knew the fellow well and uh, you know and and I had been complaining about the quality of the incoming raw material that mm -hmm. we had which was the, again the lumber is the high grade highest grade which they use for structural building like this house uses the high gr high quality grade yeah. then below that is another grade that is not for structural use usually for making crating or, or something that does not have a bearing of other uh, weights mm -hmm. and so you cannot use it in formal structures and then the lowest quality is it what they call economy dimension that is the lowest grade that is not suitable for anything then other than uh, uh, you know, for bracing, concrete forms, and all of those kind of things. Usually means that it has defects on right, it. Right, And, uh, you know, so that puts it in the lower grade. And so we were built buying that particular quality mm -hmm. for remanufacturing, cutting out the defects, and then bringing up the grade, making different products uh, that we manufactured from it, and, and also the shorter pieces. Right that we then introduced here, finger jointing, mm -hmm. where we take the shorter pieces, we glue them together mm -hmm. into a solid eight foot piece that becomes what they call a stud. A stud is the vertical use and the walls, most of the walls have studs. That's the, pro the product we manufactured out of the solid lumber and the little pieces mm -hmm. we glued together again and they also then became studs. That once we glued them together, yeah and this, the, the joint is certified, then it is just like a solid piece. Okay, so you said that you noticed that the, the lumber you were getting, something was iffy with it, right? Correct. The lumber, obviously we have spectrums of, 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 of the different qualities, mm -hmm. of the highest quality. If it doesn't make it because of defects, it goes to the lower one. If, if it may, doesn't make it there, it goes to the next one down. But in, if you looked at the spectrum of those, yeah. there is ones that just not quite made it and are just below it but right. that part was missing like there was only the low grade of the low grades were there where where is the top mm -hmm. so i had been complaining to my lumber grade and i said where is the top what what is happening so a couple of things could happen that the mill sorted the uh, different qualities 
for different customers, mm -hmm. which is really not what we bought. We bought the entire spectrum. And so, uh, you know, so I had been complaining and complaining to him. And then again, as I was complaining to him and saying, well, where is the top? Mm -hmm. You know, how could this possibly be? And then he said to me, I have to tell you something, John. And I had a, a real problem here last week. I was in Texas, mm -hmm. a shipment of lumber went to a customer that was also a lumber remanufacturer that had the same issue, that he complained mm -hmm. that the top was not there. That's in, in Texas where a lot of our wood is, uh, or to the United States where a lot of wood is going. Okay. In this case, it went to what I call a sophisticated buyer mm -hmm. that knows lumber grades and also complained, where is the top? Okay. He had to then go down as to inspect because there was a complaint of what they call a claim. If a customer has a claim, then they may choose to have the grading agency send somebody down okay. to check the quality. So Brian went down. Brian went down. And then as he was inspecting, because the, the, the buyer had knowledge about that, like I do, in saying, where is the top? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, Brian would say, uh, you know, the, you know, this lumber was graded not by the normal grading rules, but by a second grading rule. And so what had happened, mm -hmm. there were in effect not one standard set of grading rules that were the public ones, right. but there was another one, grading rule, far less restrictive and confidential, not know, known by the bias. So Brian told you that in person that morning? He told that to the customer in Texas, oh. who then said, I need to have that confirmed that this is allowed by the American Lumber Standards, yeah. which is the higher, again, the ones that, that check the grading agencies again. And there is the same organization in the United States that does that. And they came in and they confirmed that that had happened and was questionable. So what Brian told me that morning, this is what happened. So there are, in effect, two sets of grading rules. Right. The one that the public knows about it, the other one is more confidential and far less restrictive. Mm. When I heard that, it was to me inconceivable that that could have happened. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm from the generation where I say the policeman is honest. Yes. That's where I come from. So then when an inspector, a formal inspector does an inspection, of, of the rules, then I assume they are using the public rules that we all know. Of course, of course. Not, not saying that in my back pocket I have another set of rules that are secret, you can't see it, yeah. and that reduces the quality substantially. So what did Brian tell you that morning to do? Did he, did he say that something had to be he, done? He said to me that he just came back from Texas and it must have been a horrible trip for him because that customer put a lot of pressure on him and that uh, it was creating a real, real problem and some, somebody should do something about it. So when I heard that, all of a sudden, I, I had no idea and, and, and I could not conceive that mm -hmm. something like that could be happening. So a chill went over my back 
and saying, how could that possibly be? Now, me also being the co-chair of the Quality Control Committee, mm -hmm. I said, well, I'll do something about it. So I straight went to my office, jumped in my truck, drove to the uh, office of the uh, Northern, Inspection, uh, Northern Interior uh, Lumber Sector Grading co of Kofi mm -hmm. and, and talked to uh, uh, the Chief Quality Control, a fellow by the name of Niels Larson, and, uh, you know, and, and walked into his office and said to Niels, I have to talk, you know, as a member of the board I n and, and as co-chair of the degrading uh, uh, rule uh, or degrading uh, uh, subcommittee, I need to talk to you be about the, the uh, NGR guidelines, the National Grading Rule Guidelines. And he said to me, John, close the door. We got to talk. Mm. And then he spilled the beans to me. There is, in effect, a set of rules that are not authorized, that are being used, and that is far less restrictive than the, the official grading rules. Can you kind of explain what the restrictive um, official grading rules were? The national grading rules for dimension lumber are North American rules that are adapted throughout all of North America that apply to lumber and in, in, in the different areas, but they all follow the same principles and they are all public, agreed upon by everybody, mm -hmm. are accepted by architects, engineers, builders, bankers, and consumers that once you build your house, like the house that we are sitting in, mm -hmm. then you must know and you must have comfort that obviously the inspectors, the architects, the city, the city inspectors that they know the lumber that is used in the house may be structural or may be vertical is, is used to a certain strength criteria. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At an effect that although I was buying the low grades, yeah. You know, that, uh, you know, the, with the low grades, the higher grade, they also had dropped the bottom out and put it into the next grade. Okay. And the next grade, they dropped the bottom out and put it in the others. Right. And so, uh, you know, so that uh, the, the, quality, the, 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 the quality of the low grade, in my particular case, so they had... This was the spectrum of the low grade. They would take the top of the low grade, mm -hmm. put it in the next upper grade, right. and then took the wood from the upper grade or the mid grade, they put it in the next one up. So what they were giving you was just fairly... My grade, the top had gone to, into the next grade. The top from the next grade had gone into the structural grade. Mm -hmm. and, and so... Not good, no. you know, and not good in terms of uh, from a quality perspective, not good in terms of from a, uh, a builders and engineering perspective. And, and uh, you know, so it, uh, it, it was a dangerous, in fact. Okay. And, and so in my discussion with Niels Larson, mm -hmm. he said it's, it is out of hand. Mm -hmm. It has got to the point that, that people are going further and further and that thing is going to blow up. Somebody needs to do something about it. So I said to him, what, what should I do? He said, there was another, and I don't want to be over uh, uh, technical, but there was an annual meeting of the National Grading Rules 
uh, in uh, you know in Canada, and that was in September, and this was in August. Okay. He said, write a letter to them, and here is the address. This is the people that you should address it to, and raise the issue as something that you're really concerned about. So we get it on the agenda, or at least we start talking about it. Mm -hmm. That's what I did. Okay. And then what happened after that? What happened after that, uh, uh, again, I uh, then also complained to my supplier, in particular, this one in, in particular was Northwood uh, Pelp and Timber, that was one of my main suppliers, yeah. and uh, virtually instantly we were cut off of all supply of lumber to our operations. So that must have affected operations for you? Oh yeah, very much so. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and then it got to the point that, uh, you know, the uh, obviously, now I had raised the issue. We uh, had, it was now out in the open, and uh, you know, and then uh, you know they uh, had uh, broken their contract and and cut us off of raw material. So I thought, even then, still mm -hmm. Veronica, I thought that the problem was just local here. What did you discover? What I discovered is it was not only local or regional or provincial or just Canada. It was a practice that had been going on for virtually for 20 years from Florida to California, from uh, Labrador to Alaska. It, it was a practice that uh, I believe is a multi-billion dollar fraud actually and that's how it was written up in a lot of the documents. You know, so. I then filed, uh, I did, at that point, I still, when I filed the action mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, against Northwood Pulp and Timber and some other people that are in my book, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, and then started the litigation. Uh, I had never been in a court. I had never even sat in a courtroom. <laughs> and uh, so I had to find a lawyer. Uh, I, I obviously didn't have a lot of resources and then a lot of the work, the background work I did myself and uh, you know we filed the lawsuit by then I was, uh, nobody was supplying me with any more lumber and uh, you know virtually the plant was down and uh, you know so uh, I was scraping all my resources that I possibly could access and uh, started the litigation and uh, uh, went to the courts and, and what that all involves, at some point, uh, you know, the, I, I want to write about it a bit, about the court system, as to a lot of people, respectfully, including me, do not understand some of the things that go on, not in a bad way, but in terms of understanding how the process really works. Of course, yeah. So that uh, it was a civil litigation, uh, you know, the, that means that a uh, lot of information has be br had to be brought together. Uh, there were discoveries. Mm -hmm. I believe I had something like 24 uh, uh, discovery uh, uh, documents where uh, usually a whole day long you sit in discoveries uh, and then are put under oath and then have to be discovered under oath and on the record. Mm -hmm. That can be l used later on in the court case. Okay. In our case, because there were several uh, parties involved, uh, there were several discoveries we had with different uh, lawyers. And uh, so, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, when the court case started here in Prince George, it was scheduled for 30 days. Right. Uh, it ran over and then was moved to Vancouver for virtually another 30 days mm -hmm. in front of Justice Martin Taylor, and uh, who later became a, a, a judge on the Supreme Court. It was a whole new experience for me, and uh, then 
uh, during that, that process, uh, there were at least four or five lawyers involved and then probably another 10 that were intervenors that may have had an interest in the outcome of that case as it would affect them potentially in their jurisdiction, especially in the States. Mm -hmm. You know, so then gradually I found out how, wi how much wider and deeper and further this all want. Exactly, yeah. A and, uh, you know, so uh, uh, that process was extremely difficult and very trying, you know, so. Well, you mentioned to me that you were cross-examined, you said, for a week straight? For a week, yeah, seven days. What was that experience like? The whole idea about uh, cross-examination is that... Uh, you know, that, uh, you know, in, in my case, some of the best lawyers in the province uh, will uh, cross-examine you, uh, uh, you know, in a very effective way to prove or your credibility or the lack thereof. Mm -hmm. So what they may say, for instance, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, it was on July the 6th, uh, you know, uh, and 1985 or 86, and uh, that day you said this and this happened and uh, it was sunny out that day and uh, uh, yes it was sunny out okay can you go to your document number six yes and then this is all under oath and mm -hmm. uh, and go to page number this in line uh, that, uh, you know here it says that you were asked that during discoveries four months ago and you said it was raining are you lying now or were you lying then so it's a very intimidating process. Of course, an entire week of that. Like. Yeah, and, and, and these people are good. Mm -hmm. The advantage that I had, I didn't have to lie, you know, for one, and, and I was not going to be intimidated, you know, so which is a challenge in its own because these, and even now I still know those lawyers in a way, mm -hmm. and, and they are some of the best ones in the province. So while all this was happening in court, what was happening to your business just at the same time? Not much left of it. I was just barely hanging on by my fingernails, you know, so we were being boycotted by a number of supplies we had before. In fact, we were making chips uh, and the chips that we had, uh, uh, although there are four pelt mills right by, actually three, two uh, intercontinental and Pinchot pulp, but also Northwood was about a double sized one. So there were at least three, three and a half pulp mills here in close range by our operation. We probably the closest one to the pulp mill, yeah. but nobody would take our, our chips. So I had to, I couldn't put them in the, in the dump here. So I, I hauled them all the way to uh, McKenzie free of charge just to have some place to put them because otherwise it would put me down. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and then uh, you know, the, so that's the process that went on. It took everything that I had, uh, you know, and uh, it was hard on the family, obviously. And uh, I was actually going to ask about your personal life at oh, yeah. this time. What was going on there? Well, it was very hard on, on me. I, uh, you know, obviously we, uh, I had separated from my wife and, uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, my then girlfriend that, uh, uh, you know, was not staying with me, but I knew all along, eventually became my wife. And uh, during that period in particular, uh, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was very trying uh, on my kids and, uh, you know, and, and here on the mill and on my employees. And and then you spoke in the book that you got some threats during this time as well. Go yes. into a little bit of that. So the other thing that happened, uh, you know, in the six months period during all of that, uh, you know, the... Uh, 
I had five arsons uh, in about six month period mm -hmm. that involved two pieces of equipment uh, in the bush that were torched and then I had a small sawmill in the Bowron region mm -hmm. uh, which was torched. This was not, I think it had happened. Uh, we had investigations in it and there's photographs of exactly to see what happened and how it was done. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at the same time, uh, you know, my dry kilns here in town where we still were trying to operate as right. best we could. Uh, somebody tried to burn down our dry kilns and we just got it just in time. Mm -hmm. And then an attempt was made on my house, you know, so yeah. Where uh, my house uh, at in the older part of the uh, town here in Prince George in the Miller edition. Uh, somebody did similar things that they did to the dry, uh, to the dry kilns. They took a, a two by two, mm -hmm. you know, stick and they had a cloth at the end and had it dipped in coal oil yeah. and then stuck it underneath the back of my house. Uh, and fortunately the neighbor saw it or somebody saw it and the police uh, or the, the, uh, the fire department got there in time and uh, you know, but uh, uh, it was stressful. Of yeah. course, I couldn't imagine at all like going through something like that. It would definitely take a toll on your mental health. Um, I want to ask, you know, you're the only person who stood up, you know, for, for what you believed was right at that time. How did it feel being alone, just completely alone, and none of your other buddies from that you knew were also standing behind you? Yeah, good question, Veronica, because what I thought, naive me, likely, is that when I found out about the grading rules, the secret grading rules. Mm -hmm. I thought my peers in the industry would be as outraged about it or as upset about it as I was. You, you, that we should not be doing that because at some point, especially what Niels Larsen, the chief inspector said, this thing is going to blow up. At some point things are going to go wrong mm -hmm. and this whole thing is going to blow up. And, uh, uh, you know, but they didn't, you know, so, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and it, it really, really, you know, surprised me in a big way. So I was alone. In fact, W5 did a, a segment on it and showed me actually walking on Third Avenue and saying, everybody is scared to approach John Brink because the industry is boycotting them. And if they do, the industry then was unforgiving in terms of, uh, yeah, you would never work in the industry again if you were siding with John Brink. The newspaper here, then the, uh, you know, the, the Prince George Citizen virtually didn't write at all on it. W5 questioned them as to why. It was a major, major case. Hmm. And uh, so that was a real surprise. And then even when I won the lawsuit, there was not much exposure to it. And, uh, and then for me, in saying, well, I never talked about it all the much. We won the case. Yeah. As a result of that, it changed the grading rules in North America, Perfect. from Florida to California, Labrador to Alaska. And then, uh, you know, then although I had nothing left, absolutely, totally nothing, then, uh, you know, the fellow from, that is the head of the Tom Searles, head of the American Lumber Standards mm -hmm. Organization in Washington, D.C., I knew him. Uh, you know, and he had been there for something like 20, 30 years and finally re retired after 35 years. He knew how dangerous this was and what 
potentially, if, a lot of people said, oh, he just wants to make money on, uh, on the lawsuit. If I wanted to do that, I would have litigated in the States. That, in fact, I didn't want nothing from the lawsuit other than I had no idea of the magnitude of mm -hmm. it, how big it really was. And that was in, in a way a problem. There was too much money involved and they had to stop me from proceeding with the lawsuit or at least then they made an offer on the steps of the court step uh, court case and uh, I said no unless the, the, everything is changed all brought into the open I, I'm not interested in anything you know so uh, and uh, you know so yeah can I um you had asked for um, five million dollars I think it was in in damages mm. um, what was it that you that you finally received after winning the court case nothing really you know so the uh, uh, and by the time we got the the, the, the the ruling of the judge or the findings of the judge found for me uh, or for the company and then uh, uh, then the next phase is now you have to prove the damages. Mm -hmm. By then, if you do prove the damages in a case like that, that may cost you half a million dollars on experts. I didn't have that. I had to do it on my own, and I did it on my own. And so the damages that we got awarded for that particular portion and that on the basis of the wood that we received, not of the rest of the, of the case, mm -hmm. is that uh, was, I think 250000 All of that went to the lawyers. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, but that, to me, was not important. It was not about that. And then since that time, now 30 years ago, mm -hmm. right? It was 1990, 1991. I, I never wanted to talk about it a lot because I felt that it was still too emotional for me. Right. Where now, uh, you know, 30 years later, I can look at it uh, more objectively. And I felt that's why it is important to include it in my book and write about it. Mm -hmm. What was at play? What was at play is that the industry, the most precious thing any company has that produces products is the credibility of their product, the brand. If they destroy their brand, there really is no more industry and no more company. Exactly. That was the issue that was at play. And then saying, where was the government then, either provincial or federal, that have people, the Canadian Lumber Standard, how about Canadian Standards Association, how about ALS, how about the all, they all knew about it. Everybody knew about it, but nobody did anything about it. Why? Because there was so much money at play that if you as an inspector yeah. in the field said something about it, you would never work again. In fact, we had one individual that was an inspected Canadian lumber standards inspection mm -hmm. that would again inspect the Council of Forest Industry that we're inspecting. So all the layers were there. And I had him, mm -hmm. by pure coincidence, I had a, a little recording machine on my, on my desk then that we used to have then for dictating uh, letters or all those kind of things. So I, I, he came into my office and sat down in my office and then started talking about the, these grading rules, the secret grading rules. And, and he said, when he started talking, I couldn't resist. I pushed the button and, and, I, and, and what he said, this was wrong. Mm -hmm. The guidelines are pushing the grading rule and they were pushing the guidelines. So the quality here, one there, and they were pushing it. 
and he said it's not right that it made so much money that they couldn't not do it so he had made and they all did it yeah yeah and then uh, we couldn't get him into court to testify, no. you know, so, but, uh, yeah, but we had him on the record. And then, uh, you know, the, uh, so, uh, in, in that process, uh, you know, it obviously was immensely hard on myself, my family, the employees of the company. And uh, anyway, so the, the other things that were part of it, obviously, uh, with the fires in particular, very intimidating. And then, uh, you know, my kids couldn't come over anymore from, you know, so the uh, you know the so it became very very hard on the family. The other thing uh, you know the uh, I started drinking you know so. This was a very difficult time in your life. How did you begin to cope with that on your own time? It was you know a gradual process you know so uh, obviously. We were successful in the legal action and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, it, it, I had to kind of rebuild, right? So personally and, uh, you know, so for them, and, and I'm not saying that all those people around me that were litigating against me were bad people and they were running around and trying to burn my house down. No, what happens around the dynamics of a major court case like this, the stakes are so high for them that they had to find a way of discrediting me in any way they could. And then there are a lot of people that are not directly part of it become, for whatever reason, usually has to do with, with becoming, uh, uh, you know, friendly with the people that have an ability to, that they can benefit from being perceived to be helpful, become involved in some way or fashion. And, uh, you know, so that, that happened to it. Uh, there was an attempt made, uh, they charged me with fraud. You know that they're totally, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, unsubstantiated. But I got my name in the paper. But uh, they then, charged you with fraud for yeah, uh, for and a mortgage of some sort or another. And and uh, you know, in any event, uh, then the the case got stayed in court or thrown out of court. Uh, there was no case. But it wasn't again. You know that. Uh, you know, and, and it goes back again, Veronica, to the principle of that. Uh, I'm from the generation and from the place that I believe the police is honest. You know, that, you know, how could somebody, you know, they, all the information that uh, in regards to the allegations of fraud were available, but for some reason or other they proceeded, they got it into the paper, but then it was thrown out. But anything was tried to uh, either discredit me or, uh, you know, kind of break me down. And, uh, you know, so, and, and so the court case ended, we were, it was found in our favor from there and then another virtually year before the damages. Right. And, uh, you know, but uh, in the meantime, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, it was uh, extremely difficult, but doing the most difficult part, I was drinking more than was good for me, that's for sure. And not eating well and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and being close to the point of saying that, Maybe I have to go to AA or something like that, uh, you know, and, uh, but then, uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the funny part about it, actually, then, uh, you know, the, my girlfriend, uh, you know, kind of read me the riot act and she, she kind of said, uh, 
I don't want to see you anymore, you know, so that, uh, you know, the drink and then, so I was drinking scotch and water was not good for me. No. <laughs> then uh, I was still smoking. I had a little pipe that was not good for me. And then because of all the stress and the, uh, I, I, I can handle a lot of stress, but I was on the prescribed Xanax. Yeah. Own unbelievable, you know, my chest, something it was like this. Really? It, yeah. But the Xanax helped yeah. me. But I became addicted to it. Oh my gosh! So I quit all of that. You know, my uh, my girlfriend did, did, <laughs> dumped me. So uh, you know, and uh, well, she gave you a bit of an ultimatum. You said, well, right? not much actually. She said, I don't want to see you anymore. Oh, that was it. <laughs> so, anyway, so I uh, in a week I stopped uh, my drinks. I never drank again. Well, I s seldom that I have maybe a zip, but I, I, not for any other reason that I I don't drink. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I, I was never worried about it. Would I become a alcoholic? Because no, I, this was something that I didn't do. And then, uh, you know, the smoking, I quit all in the same week. And then the Xanax, I quit in the same week too. The hardest thing for me to quit, yeah. Xanax. Really? No question about that. Well, they say it's, it's highly addictive. Yeah. So how did, quitting all those things in one week, I, I'm sure was probably very I difficult. I was motivated. <laughs> yeah, you were motivated. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. but, but in, in doing the same period when everything that, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the pressure of the fires and that was always on my mind mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, so, uh, I would sit in the middle of the night watching the, 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 my operations at the mill and, uh, you know, it's very, very intimidating. And then one, one day when it was virtually, you know, uh, they, I knew they wanted to break me down. And then uh, one time, uh, you know, I was living on the second story of my house. Mm -hmm. I came, I must have passed out or something must have happened to me. And I came all the way down the steps and uh, there was nobody there and just myself for all night and uh, you know so fortunately I didn't break anything but uh, mm -hmm. so so if that's what they were trying to do yeah. then they nearly did it but not quite you know so yeah well, you look at that. That's chapter five is quite the roller coaster. It really yeah. is, and yeah. I I'm excited for other people to get the opportunity to read this and really yeah. get a grasp of um of you know of what you went through. Right. Um, Chapter six is kind of about your, your rebirth, I almost want to say, you know, uh, coming back after, you know, being hit really hard. Um, but I am looking forward to talking to you about that. But I think we should leave it off here for chapter five, unless you have anything else that you'd like to add. The one thing I should ask, Veronica, at the end, when we found the, finished the court case, mm -hmm. I talked to Tom Searles, the highest, highest authority, of all of that uh, from from the U United States and the grading rules, he was the senior authority. Mm -hmm. He called me and he said, what can I do right. for you? And I said, one thing, your next annual meeting, let me be a speaker. And he said, that's good. And it was the following month and in the following two months. But I, I had to scramble up all the money because I had no money even to get to Seattle. The night that I got there for the following day, and there were probably, uh, you know, about 25 different grading agencies in the United States there under, uh, uh, by this meeting, by American Lumber Standards. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so that evening I was in this cheap hotel. In the morning when I got up, I found a newspaper, the Seattle Times. Yeah. I still have it. On the front page it said, 
hundreds of homes have been stopped construction because there is inferior lumber in the structures. Uh -oh. Case in point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then when I went to the meeting the following, I didn't mention it to them. Mm -hmm. I should have maybe. And then I, I was in the meeting, I had the opportunity to speak to them. Even then, quite a number of them sat around the table, these heads of different grading agencies that were sitting around the table snickering and, and, and still contempt in regards to what I did. But I did what I had to do. Of course. And that's... And I still would do it today. You wouldn't take it back. Change, not change a thing. That's no. That's great. That's awesome. Thank you so much again for sharing that with us, Thank John. Yeah. And now I look forward to interviewing you for Chapter 6. Thank you.